Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Morning, everyone. Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way. This time we're doing Jackie Chan talking about his life, his cycles, what steroids we speculate he done. Steve Smee here and the Mobster. What's up, buddy? All good in the hood over here, fella. Keeping busy. Yeah. So in this hardcore podcast, guys, you know it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Jackie Chan. He's been around a long time. The first time that I really learned about him was in high school. I actually went on a date. We went to see a movie and we went to see a cop movie and no one knew who Jackie Chan was at the time, but the cop movie that we saw mobster um, was the one he did with Chris Tucker called rush hour. And that was his big arrival in the, in, in, in the United States. And that movie was a blockbuster. It was another one of those cop buddy movies. Um, and you had uh, the stereotypical Asian and you had the stereotypical funny, you know, um, you know, guy with them and he would give them crap and they'd give each other crap. And it was a comedy. And then yeah. they did a sequel, which was, really really bad and then they did a third one which is also really 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 bad and but those movies really made uh, jackie chan popular in the united states so and i can also remember um watching him doing the, the movie rumble in the bronx and super cop and and uh, you know we'll talk about that in the movie how about you mom so when was the first time you learned about jackie chan I'm, I, I can't remember the name of the film, but you might know. This is, this is, I'm pretty sure he was in the one where they're on top of some skyscraper and he's coming down some great sloping sheet of glass and the baddies are after him and all shooting and kind of stuff at each other. And, and, and knowing what I now know, especially about Jackie Chan, it's, it's probably some crazy actual stunt that they did for a real. Even if it was in a studio, it's like a 40 or 50 feet sheet of glass that they're kind of sliding down on the roof. That, that rings a bell. I I honestly a lot of the stuff I know about him, of course, when you see his smiling face and uh, oh, uh, Cannibal Run, Cannibal Run, when they were doing the outtakes, he was the karate guy, the the, the kung fu guy in Cannibal Run with Burt Reynolds, and uh, there's outtakes at the end where he's doing you know pretend karate chops and the guys are all goofing around and swearing and stuff. And they did that was one of the first movies he did the outtakes at the end, which was included in the movie. So you watched it with the titles, and he was on that. I didn't realize it was him at the time, but years later you go, oh, yeah, got to be Jackie Chan, goofing around, doing Kung Fu, whatever. Really cool. Yeah. So Jackie Chan, um, you know, we don't know him in the United States until, you know, the late nineties, but he had been around a while. Um, he's a, he's actually from Hong Kong. He's a Hong Kong actor. Um, oh, long, lots oh, of stunts. Long. The cool thing about his movies is at the end of his, some of his movies, he'll show the stunts that he was doing and how he was getting hurt and stuff. You know, he's also a director. He's a martial artist. His net worth is, you know, we think at least half a billion dollars. He's made a fortune in, in the movie industry worldwide. And he, he likes to use comedy in his movies. He likes to do a lot of fighting, a lot of style, a lot of stunts. And it really blows people away. 
And he does the stunts himself in a lot of these cases too, like you were saying. So because of his sheer talent and intelligence, he's one of the highest paid actors and his movies really, really bring a lot of uh, money to, to the producers who, who, uh, who produce these movies. And he, he, he does a lot of the movies himself out of his own pocket. Yeah, this is a thing. Also, we, 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 Steve Spee and I do research for these shows, same as we do for any of the podcasts that are on Evo. And uh, back in 2016, they were quoting $350 million, and that's the second highest paid actor in the world. I'd actually argue, A, that Steve's correct with the $500 million, and B, I'd actually say that he's probably the number one paid actor, because as Steve suggested just now, he's produced, he's directed, he's acted, he's organised the stunts, he's done the stunts, He's written a screenplay. I mean, short of going down to the cinema and taking the tickets off the guys when they come in to watch the movie, he's got probably the biggest, in the movies that he's done himself, the biggest cut of any actor in the world. He's not gone in there and said, you know, give me a percentage of the gross. He is, he's, he's controlling the growth. So I'd actually argue that if in terms of, maybe in terms of contractual deals, second highest paid, but in terms of actual revenue that he's able to get from movies and stuff like that, he's probably the highest paid actor. I'd, I'd actually disagree with the research. I'd think he's number one because he's taken, if he's producing, directing, act, he's taken all of the money. Short of any investment, he's taken all of the money. So he's getting a lot more than 15, 20, 25 million dollars a movie. He's taking percentages, he's getting cash, he's getting whatever. You know, sort of giving the investors a return on their on, on their lumps. He's, he's taking the rest of the money. So he's for certain movies, especially some of the the Chinese ones, he's taking all the cash. And if just just allowing for a rate of inflation, I reckon Steve's correct. I reckon half a billion dollars sounds exactly right to me. That's that's pretty much right up there in terms of revenue. So yeah, back to you, Steve. So so where did Jackie Chan came come from? Uh, he was a, you know, his family was Chinese refugees. They fled the China Civil War. This was post World War II. When you know Asia was transitioning, um, their their you know, governments and stuff, and he fled his family fled to Hong, uh, Hong Kong, and that's where yep. he was born in 1954. His dad um, worked in the embassy as a chef over in Australia, um, and Chan, you know, he he got a good education. He was uh, he, he enrolled at the Peking Opera School. He learned martial arts. He learned acting. Um, and he became a black belt and he trained uh, several types of uh, martial arts, karate, taekwondo, judo, uh, jeet kundo. And that's how he was able to uh, piggyback all those talents as an actor. And he started working as a teenager. He was in some Bruce Lee films as a stuntman. A lot of people don't know that. He could, he just grabbed whatever role he could find. He was even in a uh, sex scene in an adult comedy. So he was just doing everything he could. That's what you got to do when you're a young actor. You got to get, get out there. He moved to Australia. He worked in construction and he followed his, um, you know, his dreams. He was contacted in 1976 by a producer who liked his stuntman ability. So he got another chance to, to kind of push, get his recognition up. So he did some small budget movies. They didn't do very well. Um, his martial arts style did not match movie plots well. So, you know, that's the problem. So in, 
he just it wasn't translating to to the movies so he would have to kind of work around that if he was ever going to make it so he had to i was just, just going to say that with bruce lee we know that bruce lee sh slowed down his moves for the cinema i think jackie's kind of stuck with doing what he was already doing so rather than adapt his style he carried on with the style and as you say it wasn't great on screen whereas uh, bruce lee appreciated it listen i'm going so fast the camera can't can't catch what i'm doing we, we said this in a previous podcast he had to slow down for the frame rate jackie chan was just doing this stuff and it took him a long time to realize that what works in in, on, in the dojo and on the mats doesn't work in front of the camera. So you, you have to change and adapt. And of course, we know now with all the other movies that he's done since that he has done that, but it took him a while to learn that, you know, what works, it's like you and I, if we, we what, how we train in the gym, great, but it won't necessarily look for a good video. To, to look good for good video, we've got to train your style, we've got to start, we've got to explain, it's that kind of thing learning how cinema works learning how the camera likes you what it needs to see that kind of stuff yeah yeah so as he worked his way up in the industry he got another opportunity in hollywood um and this was to play in sylvester stallone's demolition man but the thing is he didn't want to be typecast as a bad guy his you know he he didn't think that that would make his career going in a good direction and we've seen that a lot with different actors uh who refuse to play certain roles in movies and some of those actors went on to regret it and some of them did not like i'll give you an example the bad guy from karate kid you know he basically got typecast as the bad guy in every movie after that and he's now doing commercials so his career really didn't go anywhere so it's one of those things where you know, you're taking kind of a risk when you do that. So he wasn't willing to do that. Um, so he he played in a movie called Rumble in the Bronx. And this is a movie that I can remember. Uh, and it came out in 1995. It was actually um, the movie that really gave him that, took his career to the next level. Because if you watch that movie, the plot itself that is really bad but my gosh the stunts in that movie were breathtaking i mean if you just watch that movie for the stunts just don't even pay attention to the, the crappy plot the stupid script or all that but just the actual fighting in the movie and the, the fight scenes are incredible and he was the one doing those scenes so it was really a, an amazing movie uh to watch and the stunts actually were critically acclaimed in that movie. And that's what earned that movie a higher rating than you would think, even though the plot was so crappy. So, and, and I, I think a lot of, um, at the time I can remember watching that movie in, on pay-per-view on TV, and I would just watch that movie over and over again, just, just to see those scenes. And then um, <clears throat> Super Cop was actually critically acclaimed. They did the second release of uh, Super Cop which was originally released in Hong Kong. And, and that one came out in the late nineties as well. And that was, um, I, I can remember watching it. I didn't think it was, it was as entertaining as Rumble in the Bronx, but it was like a better movie. Like they actually had a good script, a good plot and all that stuff. So this is, you know, this is the point where Chan started to, you know, hook up with American actors. He got, he did the rush hour with Chris Tucker he was making, you know, uh, over $100 million. He did the Shanghai 
um, Noon, the Shanghai Knights sequel with Owen Wilson. So at this point, though, he started getting frustrated because he wanted to do more in his movies. He got tired of just acting. He wanted to do everything. So he kind of started his own thing. He started start his own uh, directing and production and all this stuff. And and that's what he's been pretty much been doing since. Another movie I have to mention too is the Karate Kid remake. And uh, the movie made a lot of money. I mean, I think it made close to $400 million or more. And, um, you know, I watched, I didn't watch it when it first came out. I actually watched it a few years later and just watching it, I was like, you know what? I, I want to see the original Karate Kid again with, with Mr. Miyagi. It just didn't live up to the original at all. But, you know, if you're a, you know, you're a younger guy and, you know, you don't know what Karate Kid is from mid eighties, then to you, maybe it was like, wow, this is a, this isn't a good movie, but it was, I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like it. I particularly like it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Mopster, before we kind of get into. Um... But he's, that, he's so, I, I, it's hard to say he's done 150 plus movies. He actually started, uh, me said earlier on about him being a teenager. That's when he was acting. He actually appeared on screen uh, in, in 1962, which would have him about six or seven years of age. But he acted as a teenager. He's, he's a singer. He's actually sung uh, the theme tune to several movies. And one of the things I did, again, with the research, the Chinese Olympics, I, I'm thinking I'm trying to remember the date now, 2008. He did the, the you know, kind of like the Olympics is coming type song. With a with a female Chinese singer, he's is he's, he's got he's got something like ten albums, best selling again in in China, Taiwan, and Korea, and so on. Um, speaks multiple languages. Yeah, I think the only thing he doesn't do is, is paint and dance. I think he pretty much does everything else. So yeah, he's right he's right out there, and it's one of those guys, especially. Um, we, we kind of talk about certain things, whether it's as, as a bodybuilder or a trainer, when you have the genetics and the natural aptitude and whatever else. He isn't the guy that was destined to be on screen. He has to be. He comes across in a really cool kind of affable way. I watched uh, a documentary and, and he's not blowing too much smoke up his own ass. A lot of the stuff he's done in movies, and he says this himself, they're talking about the old black and white stunts where the guys were really hanging off of buildings or really up flagpoles and whatever else, and he's done that. Uh, just to give an example of one of his own movies, and I don't ask me what one it is, there's a scene when they're on some sort of triangular steel pyramid made out of tubes or whatever else, and there's a bunch of guys and they're all fighting each other, and it took, get this Steve, I believe it was a world record at the time, 2,000 takes of the different camera angles, and obviously the guys fighting and needing to capture the action. 2,000 takes for this one scene in the movie, and that's another of his claims to famous. Uh, that's uh, that's just hard to imagine. I, I was watching uh, one of the Rambo films the other day, and they and, and they say he had 16 cameras on set at filming different angles at one time. Jackie Ten, 2,000 takes for this one scene of essentially a five-minute fight of these guys on the pyramid and they're falling down the pyramid. It's 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 up there almost with. Uh, slapstick comedy but it's fighting it's violent and you're talking about multiple camera angles so just to get your head around that kind of stuff and and, and when you see some of the stunts that he's done i mean there's one uh, where he he's been injured multiple times and we'll get into that actually when we come to the steroids and stuff in a minute but 
in one, he, he, he slides down, it's inside a shopping mall, it's reminiscent of one of the Arnold films, he slides down a, a flagpole, indoor flagpole, which is 70 feet. And because the camera lights have been on this thing all day, it ends up burning hot and he ends up burning his hands and still has to, of course, he can't fall off because he'll die. Uh, so essentially burning his skin on his hands, sliding down this pole to carry on the scenes is still looking good on camera. So when you start to look at that kind of stuff and you realise the amount of injuries he's had, he's, he's kind of nigh on invented martial arts for a couple of the movies when he wanted something different, a different style. He invented the style. He'd go away at night after, as an actor, as a stuntman before he was running the movies and, and teach himself a new style and then introduce that into the stunt work. It is dedicated. He's putting the time in. He's doing it. He's learning every single thing that he needs to learn. And he's been doing this as a safe, you know, as, as on screen since 1962. He's only literally in the last couple of years, I think 2018, said that he would take a step back. People thought he'd retire. He said, no, no, just from the on screen martial arts. So from 1962 to 20, 2018, it's no wonder that he has these talents and these skills and, and the experience. And he's put in the graft. It's, it's a, the rock that we might do a podcast on in the future. This is a guy get up at five o'clock in the morning to train, 12 hours on set, doing stuff on Instagram. This is not a five-minute wonder. These, these guys are rich, but they're rich because they're working. And Jackie Chan's right up there with the graft and the work and, and everything else that he's put into the movies to get to where he is. He deserves his money. He deserves his accolades. It's even, Steve, did you know that he'd actually... Had a, again, there's a few awards, including honorary degrees, etc. But the one I was surprised about, I didn't know about, he'd actually won an Oscar for his uh, contribution to cinema. Uh, it was an honorary Oscar, but again, this is how he's recognised... Uh, for what he's done, uh, the, the professorial ships is the same sort of thing again. This is going out there, and and also this is just on the money side of thing again. He's actually probably he's one of the most highly rated uh, donators of money to various charities and stuff like that. And it, as has said, much like uh, Bill Gates and a couple of others, he's going to give away half his fortune, which we're probably looking at six or seven hundred million by the time he dies. Half his fortune would go to charity when he passes on. So. He's, he's sick. He comes across as a really nice guy, Steve. You know what I mean? He's borderline politician in that particular way. He comes across well on camera. He smiles. He seems to have fun. He doesn't take what he does seriously. And yet it's incredibly businesslike what he's doing. So, yeah, it, it, I, don't, I don't. We we do a 50 minute podcast and we can't do this guy justice for the graph that he puts in to be who he appears to be on camera. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you summed it up beautifully. I think it's interesting how many languages he speaks. He speaks Cantonese, uh -huh. Mandarin, and English, which is not abnormal for someone who's from Hong Kong or from China. Um, I know plenty of you know, Chinese people um, who were born in the United States who can speak those three languages. So that's, you know, that's not abnormal. But he also knows sign language. He also speaks some German. He speaks Korean. He speaks some Japanese. He speaks some Spanish. He speaks some Thai. So that, to me, that's fascinating um, yeah. that he, you know, uh, is so, he's like a sponge for knowledge and, and stuff. And, you know, compare that with some of these other actors. They just basically, they go act a movie and then they just spend their free time drinking and partying and doing recreational drugs and absolutely doing nothing to better themselves. And then they end up broke, you know, with nothing. And this guy, on the other hand, he 
basically a sponge for education, which I love. Every day you should learn something. That's what this guy does. I mean, he's got production companies. He's got cinemas. He's got gyms. He's got food companies. He's got clothing lines. The guy does it all. Yeah. And he's a f- big philanthropist, uh, like you said, donates a lot for ch- charity work. And the other thing about him, though, which isn't a good thing, I'm not going to compliment him on, is that he uh, he was uh, he had an affair with another woman, and he he got a child from that. So that's not something to you know that I'm going to applaud him for, but it's worth it's worth saying. So he also obviously gets a lot of women, you know. So uh, that's one of his downfalls, but that's another thing common. Like a lot of guys, and it doesn't matter because he's Chinese, it's one of, when you are in a position of influence, everything you say, everything you do can sometimes be taken out of context. And one of the things that's got him into trouble occasionally is political views, especially in, in a Chinese Asian arena. That's all the countries over there because uh, it's been, Taiwan's it's been very, very popular and it's been given an honorary name over there, which essentially is like sort of being called like a granddad type figure. He's, he's seen as, you know, interesting, wealthy, and so on and so forth. And then he made some comments and they weren't very happy. It was to do with stuff at the border. They were having some particular problems and he commented. And it's one of those things, so you go, okay, incredibly talented, incredibly hardworking, deserving all the money he's got, et cetera, et cetera. But you've got to be so tough. You kind of almost got to be a politician when you're in that situation. Think think before you speak, so to speak. I mean, just use the forums as an example, Steve. Sometimes we'll see a question and we go, oh my God, why is this person asking a question? You go, hang on, they might be new. So we'll take our time bite our tongue, think they're new, and reply as though they was. And this is the same situation. You get to Arnold Schwarzenegger as a politician, but he's kind of a political guy. I think what's happened here with Jackie is he, he kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit, a couple of, with a couple of things politically, and, you know, become persona non grata for five minutes. His he's, he's, he's acting and his films are still very, very popular, but it's one of those things that can, you know, you've said something, and it actually stops people going to see your movies. And that, that's taking money out of your out of your wallet. If you and I say are something silly, we don't lose wages, we don't lose income. When you, you're at his level, you say something crazy, you say something stupid in the newspapers or on the news or whatever, and that's that's actually going to affect people who have invested in your movies. It, it, it's going it's to expect to affect the amount of people that go and see the cinema and buy tickets. So you have to be kind of careful any time that you and I or any of the, the forum members get into the position of being influential, we have to sometimes be kind of apolitical. We have to come across in a certain particular way that if we want to remain in that position and we want to do well for ourselves and we're focused on becoming a movie star or top bodybuilder or whatever else, we have to speak and think in a certain way sometimes. That's part of being a professional. It's part of earning your living from your sport. And this is what's happened with Jackie's. Once or twice, the business with, with the affair, they ended up in the courts. They ended up with claims that he was paying and she said he wasn't paying and all the usual crappy bullshit that sometimes comes from shitty relationships. And yeah, you've got still got still married, still got to come back and tell the wife what the hell happened. And the backlash on that's not going to be good again. But fortunately for Jackie, he's managed to ride that storm. He's normally a good guy. He's, he's still a great actor. He's still doing all this other stuff. So he's managed to ride the storm. But yeah, you have to be circumspect shall we say not no one's pure and driven or whatever else but so yeah he's, he's not 100 an angel sent down from heaven to act in chinese kung fu movies he's a real man as well there's other stuff going on it's all real life but you you have 
yeah, there's a there's black mark on the blotter there somewhere for all the other things that we're going to say some very nice things about him that we haven't already said. There's he's, he's a guy with his feet made of clay, same as the next person, same as you and me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so if you if you can remember when he was at his peak back in the like mid not late 90s, um, he was a mature guy uh, at that age because remember he was born in the mid 50s. So he was a, he was about 40 years old, maybe early 40s. And the guy was jacked, like not bo- like a bodybuilder, not like a big bodybuilder not like a Ronnie Coleman or anything, but he was jacked. And some of the things that he w- could do, like basically doing handstand push-ups and yeah. walking along the ground, you know, that takes an amazing amount of strength, flexibility, agility. These stunts he was doing takes an amazing amount of skill and energy and strength you know, to do these stunts. So the guy, we, you know, we can make the speculation. This guy was taking some, some performance enhancing hormones, performance enhancing drugs. So one of the steroid cycles that we can point to that Jackie Chan would use is some testosterone. So maybe some long ester testosterone. And uh, probably around 200 milligrams a week. It wouldn't surprise me if he was just on a TRT dose. So he was probably, he's probably running anywhere between 100, 150 milligrams a week of testosterone weekly um, at being on TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. So he probably ran a little more for a cycle. Equipoise, probably a low, what we consider a low dose, maybe 200 milligrams, 250 milligrams. We consider that a low dose in bodybuilding. But for him, he was taking the EQ because the EQ is really good when it comes to your endurance, raising your blood, red blood cells, giving you a lot of, you know, um, benefits without the side effects. So that would allow him to continue doing his stunts and it would keep his energy up. Another one he would want to use is maybe Anovar, 50 milligrams a day. Anovar is going to help with his vascularity, his hardness. You can tell in his movies, if you look at Supercomp or Rumble in the Bronx, some of those movies, those action movies, you could tell, like just looking at his biceps, he was vascular. He had like veins popping out of his arms. He had um, his, his, his biceps were hard. They were full, but they weren't watery. So I would say it was more likely he was taking Anavar and not Diana Bull. And then another one, growth hormone. No doubt he's on two IUs of growth hormone. It wouldn't surprise me if he even increased his dosage to three four, five IUs um, certain times of the years to help him. It's going to help him with his recovery. It's going to help him with his anti-aging. The guy looks younger than he is. There's no doubt that he is taking HGH. And then some of these SARMs like Carterine, that's going to give him the endurance. That's going to give him the fat loss. And then the Ulstrine is going to help him with the repair and recovery from his stunts. And then, you know, there's some other steroids he, he could have taken as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. What are some steroids that you think that uh, Jackie Chan probably messed around with in his career, uh, Mobster? I, I was looking, let me have a quick look at the, the, the I'm looking at the, the cycle that's been suggested. And I'll tell you what I would change and I'll tell you what I would throw in. Uh, so for example, the testosterone, I'll keep that exactly where it is. As you said, around TRT levels. 
The equipoise, we could probably change out now, but that would probably be what he was doing in those days to stay hard, to stay lean, to stay vascular, like you said. The Anivar, sure, for the same reason. I mean, one of the things you mentioned just now, pre, pre the cycle, was this, with some of the stunt work. And we're talking about hanging off the inbuilding. So the strength and or endurance. So that's when we get into the cardarine and the osterine. Something I would, I would actually, the, the human growth hormone, I agree, 100%. I would have him two to two and a half uh, IUs a day or five IUs every other day. But I would, like you said, I would increase it because he's had a number of injuries, really real bad stuff. Blood coming out of his ears after a fall. There's a fantastic movie. They're all sliding down his huge, great uh, heel covered in grass. And it's like 40 guys. And he crashes into a tree. This is for real, not, not in the movie. And, and they, they don't want him to move. And he's got blood coming out of his ears. He's, he's, he's hurt his back. He's wrenched his shoulders. He's hurt his knees. So for sure, as you suggested, up in the, the human growth hormone. And what I would actually throw in, which is not suggested in the cycle that we'd be looking at, I would definitely be looking at the peptides now, uh, TB500 and, and BBC157, because the number of injuries that he's had is going to require him. And again, this is money on the set kind of stuff. When the movie's costing $100,000 a day, even if you're all sitting there scratching your ass, you need to be able to get back up and get on with this stuff. And he's right and he's producing. He needs to be on set anyway. And if he's the lead actor, which is in a, in a lot of his own movies, then he needs to be capable. So one of the things we actually talked about in the Bruce Lee podcast, we've not mentioned here, I, I, I would take a guess, and it's not to be horrible to the guy or have a dig at any of the fanboys that are going to go crazy over this, but I think we're going to have to look at some painkillers in there too to get back up and perform when you've had these injuries. We're talking about recovering from the injuries with TB500 and BPC and the human growth hormone, but to continue to function with those injuries is probably going to require a, 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 a dose of something from the doctor, onset doctor, wherever else, just to literally, you and I, have we've had injuries, Steve, and I wouldn't want to have to then go up and perform stunts with a wrench back or a wrench shoulder, but it's a hundred thousand, it's $200,000 a day. The guys are there. It's a 20, 30, $40 million movie. You can't say, oh, my shoulder's aching today. You are the guy that's doing the stunts. He might have a stunt double for some things, but he's doing so much of his own stuff. He's going to have to be able to do that with injuries. And you can't come on all taped up and, you know, wrapped up in bandages or whatever else. You've got to come on and look like it's still good. So I think we might be looking at a few painkillers in there. But definitely, as much now, probably more than when he was in condition back in the day, as you say, in the 90s, now would be about recovery. 100%. So have the energy on set is where the osterine's coming in and the cardarine. But to recover from these injuries, and as you said already, I believe he's 66 he only stopped acting in 64 people. This is doing a stunt work. He's still on screen. So he's only stopped doing the physical stuff when he was 64. Now, you can be conditioned. You can be an athlete. But when you're hurt, when some of the stuff you're doing is crazy, dangerous, and you're doing those stunts, you need to be able to recover. So I, I, I've got to throw those peptides onto that particular list, Steve. I agree with you about up in the HGH. Uh, and maybe we could take out the poison and replace that with something else. But back in the day, for sure, yeah. Up to the 90s, yeah. yeah. We would you, remember, you remember that scene in Rumble the Bronx with the hovercraft where he jumps on the hover? Oh, you told me. Go on. Yeah, so there's a move, there's a scene with a hovercraft, but he jumps on the, the hovercraft and he actually breaks his right ankle. Oof. So, and they still managed to, to finish the movie. They actually showed it in the end credits, um, his oh. ankle all bandaged up. Was, yeah, they had to basically put the, the cast on his ankle, then put a sock on top of it then put like pants on top of it to kind of hide it for the rest of the movie and they kind of made it blend in where no one would notice 
So yeah, he he definitely. There's no doubt that he's using painkillers. Um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but I would hope. I think that he learned though from from Bruce Lee, who he remembered as a kid because he did scenes yeah. in his movie. So I think he realized how Bruce Lee ended up really screwing himself up by abusing these painkillers. And he was a smart enough guy to know, you know what, I can't, I'm going to use these painkillers, but I'm only going to use them in a short term. And then over the long term, I'm not going to use them. So I'm not going to use them chronically. I'm going to use them only when I need them. So I think that he, he was smart enough to do that. When it comes to steroid use, another thing that I think he probably messed around with a lot was Winstrol to dry him out and also Masteron to harden him up especially around these movies. So I would think he used Masteron propanate. He didn't want to use the Masteron anything. He would, he would use the propanate because the propanate has a much shorter half-life, shorter ester. So he can take that a couple of weeks leading up to his scenes and that would give him that hardening. And then the Winstrol has a really short half-life. So he'd probably just take the Winstrol, some oral Winstrol a week or two ahead of the movie, take it daily. And then by the, by the time the movie comes, he'd be dried out. So who wants to see a martial artist with puffy muscles or watery muscles? Nobody. You got to be as lean, as vascular as possible. One thing I was going to say in terms of uh, using stories, in, in, especially in these martial art movies, there's a couple of things that apply. Number one, if as he got more popular, he has more time between the movies. So when the Chinese cinema especially can be kind of back to back when you're younger. So when he was doing his teenage stuff, you're talking about... Bruce Lee, I think it was like, you know, 10 movies in one year. And if you look at the uh, filmography for Jackie Chan, it's 150 plus movies. And some years it was 20 movies. But as he become more popular, he has more time between movies. So it'd be three months on set, two months or three months off, whatever else. And that's still quite a lot. There's a lot of Western guys that only be doing one or two movies a year. Jackie was still doing three or four at his peak. However, he will have that time in between. So you can have a bit of preparation and of course recovery, like we've already said. But the, we had the advantage and what Steve Smith just said is correct again. If you're doing the stunt stuff for a movie or it's an action type movie, most of Jackie Chan's movies are action type movies. They're not long movies to film. They're not months and months and months of filming. It might be eight weeks on set type stuff and then eight, 10, 12 weeks off set with editing and production or whatever. So the, the if, if we were doing this as a bodybuilding competition or, 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 or an athletic endeavor, we would be so we can do high amounts for short periods of time. Steve said already with the short arresters, say, six weeks, eight weeks, short esters that are only you know, less than nine, 10 days. He's only doing, he's not even doing crazy amounts. Well, this is what we're suggesting, not even doing crazy amounts because he doesn't need to bulk up. He doesn't need to be overly muscular, but he does need to be lean. He does need to be able to move. He does need to still be able to fast. He does need the endurance set after set after set, scene after scene, take after take just of the scenes again doing this stuff again and again and again from different angles. It's not all full contact, of course, so he needs to be able to recover, but it's, it's intense, it's hard, but it's relatively, it's like two months. It's kind of like, you know, it's like a battle, if you like. It's, it's short, but intense kind of stuff in terms of, if it was training, it'd be like us prepping for a competition. And then afterwards, he sits in the editing suite, and then afterwards, he starts doing the promotional stuff. He starts getting the movie together, ready for it to go into the cinemas. That's, that's, the, that's another two months right there. But for, for Chinese, martial arts Japanese whatever martial art movies is eight weeks of action and again he might have a small advantage on set is that he's directing other people so when the guys are fighting and he's not in the scene he's getting a break but it's, it's busy the guy's probably working 12 hours a day when he's doing this stuff I know 
uh, just for people to do extra work. It's sometimes 14, 16 hour days on these things. And it's full on. Every hour can, can be twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 an hour for, for the American movies, more for the real, real big stuff. So it's full on. It's hard work. So it's short, short Esther, short acting, not long on cycle. And as Steve Spee said already, as well, the painkillers and stuff like that, from nothing we've read or heard or seen suggests that he's got any particular problems like that. Uh, certainly, you know, maybe when he dies, we'll hear some dirty, nasty secrets, but nothing suggests that. I think he's a real intelligent guy, comes across in a certain particular way. And my guess, best guess, is he's doing exactly what needs to be done to get through the movie. And the moment the movie's over, he goes off and recovers, gets proper therapy, goes to hospital, gets bones sorted out, joints sorted out, and, and make sure that any medication that he's on is dropped the right the hell down. I think you can certainly afford to get the real proper solid advice and have a real tip-top guys. I believe uh, the, the movie I was on about when the blood was coming out of his ears after one scene, one of the guys had worked with him before and they happened to have the very doctor that was the best in that particular country on set because he was a buddy of this other fella. And uh, they were literally able to get him the treatment that he needed within three or four hours. So this is how that's working as well. And I guess if you're running this movie, that's the way I'd want it. I mean, we're doing a boxing movie like Rambo. We've seen, the, the, sorry, uh, uh, Stallone doing his stuff. Uh, we, we know that he was getting back to hell in these movies and, and quite often bleeding. We brought, so they have on-set medics. That's how this stuff needs to be done. And of course, any of us that have seen the outtakes, as you said already, with stuff with broken arms and wrists and ankles and whatever else, <laughs> I think you'd learn your lesson. You'd have really, really good medics on set, make sure 100% they know what's going on. And again, 50, 60, $100,000 a day. So yeah, this is going to be dead on. I, I, and the cycle to me was we can tweak this and throw in a couple of the peptides, like I always said, but I actually think it's probably as close to reality as it's possible to get. And certainly with the addition of the estrogen and cardarine, what we would do now with those peptides that I suggested in, because it's real, 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 real important that these guys are fit and capable. You can't go on the set with a puffy face because you got punched yesterday. You can't go on set with a cauliflower ear. You need to have guys there to treat you straight away, get you the best medical straight away and then straight back on set. It's it's not like a day at the factory, people, or in the office where you can take a day off and, and you won't be missed. You're the star. You need to be there and you're the director and you're the producer. So it's, you can break a leg and you've still got to be, even if they got you sitting down in a chair you and you're in pain. That's when acting suddenly become acting real a real tough job, especially in a martial arts movie. This is not fun stuff. So yeah, hundred percent. I think this cycle is about as accurate as it's possible to get, Steve. Uh, short again, as we said before, being there and, and and seeing the script written out. So yeah, I think this is spot on, mate. Uh, I, I'm just looking at some other stuff here again. I have to just add that um, that scene where he's sliding down the uh, building. We'll 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 show uh, we'll include the video. Well, this in should the link. be clips yeah. of the martial arts stunts for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's at least five incidences where he's done some extremely risky stunts and have injured himself. But the sliding down the building scene, you have to be on steroids, I think, to do that. You have to have some androgens in your system to be crazy enough to do that. You know, because like you could, it's so scary like doing that. And he's basically risking his life. Like there's no bones about it. So I would think when he was doing some of those scenes, he was on a lot more steroids than the uh, smaller 
dosage cycles that we can speculate that he used typically. I would say when he used it, he was probably tripling his testosterone dosage. He could have been using trend. Um, trend definitely makes me more aggressive, makes me more of a risk taker, makes me more want to, you know, do fighting. And, and so I think just having those extra androgens in your head can make you more of a risk taker. And I think that that kind of gave him an edge in those scenes because, you know, he needed like two weeks to work himself up to even do that scene. And I, I would check it out. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do it. I'd at least make sure that I had a good will in place, but I'd be scared of, uh, I'd be scared of, you know, doing some major, major damage to my body. So I would think monster that he was probably on more steroids, especially then like three, four times as much steroids and, and taking some harsher steroids like trend taking maybe some halo taking something like that just to give him the courage to even do I'm that like, like do you feel that way too you've got to be thinking this is as the stuff's technical right you know that there's going to be you're the man and you're sliding down this building whether it's a sheet of glass or slidey roof whatever right the greasy pole whatever the cameras are on you so you know that they've got to capture what you're doing and equally as you said you've, you've waited a week to build up the courage you, are, you kind of want to be high or drunk or on something for sure, because at some point you've got to take the step for the camera, for a movie, and I don't care how many safety harnesses they're going to, you know, CGI out or whatever else. At some point you've got to go, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> let's do the scene and run around like a lunatic building yourself up. Maybe he gets high on an adrenaline and then you've got all his mates doing the same thing because the, the scene I'm thinking of, the one I was thinking of is where you know, he's being shot at the same time. So you've got those 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 scripts going off. You're sliding down. There's lights. It's bright. You probably can't even see the bottom because it's so low. I think the one I'm thinking of is a night shot, but there's lights on the glass. So you've got reflections. You can't see the bottom. And a lot of this stuff was real buildings. It's not a set. It's a actual building in Hong Kong. If it's the movie I'm thinking of, and maybe there's some netting further down, but you're on top of a building at night. For, I don't care how much money they're paying you. You've got to, have, as you say, with the androgens, you kind of got to have a little bit of crazy in you that particular day. So it might be Halo, it might be check drops, it might be something that's just going to go, yeah, let's go, you know. And then, then, and and what would be the worst, Steve, if you had to do the scene again, if you had to shoot it from a different angle? Can you imagine? I want forty-seven cameras here, guys. This is a one-time shot, but that's not always the case. Some of the stuff that he's done, and he, he was a great mimic of some of the early parts of cinema with some of the stunts that they were doing. I mean, the stuff they were doing when they were standing in front of a train and it was for real, it was a real train coming towards them, hanging off a building, Buster Keaton. You know, there's ways of doing it now, but was he hanging off a building? Was he hanging off the clock face? This is some of the stuff that he's done in his movies. And a lot of the time there's been no safety. It's just grip and just hanging there. The only thing that's stopping him from dying is the will to stay alive. So, yeah, I would not be a tiny bit surprised if there was something being thrown in the mix there to give him that edge. And then you've still got to be aware of the cameras and the other guys and what's going on and whatever else. Oh, my good grief. And some of the stuff that's been done for movies now, as you know, Steve, you're hanging off the building and you've got to say something as well. <laughs> I'd be screaming for my mum. I would not be remembering the script. So, yeah, this is this is... There's something going on. <laughs> I don't know. There might be some little dirty little secret of cinema where the guys that are doing a real stunts. I, I go, I'll reference Stallone again. You can find some outtakes. I believe it's Rocky Three or Rocky Four, 
where him and his uh, brother, Frank, are fighting as a warm-up for the actual fight that comes later on. And they accidentally, on more than one occasion, hit each other. And then Stallone staggers off to the corner of the ring and says, oh, we need to do that shot again. And he's looking at the, 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 the video. So you get punched in the face, stop, then go back and get punched in the face again. And that's just a boxing movie. Can you imagine doing some of the stunts that he's done without something to, 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 to get you going, to get you in the right frame of mind? For sure. So Andrew's, Steve and I could discuss this. It's more of a behavioral thing in how you respond and, and where the side effects come from, the anabolic. So we know that the, the risk takers, it's risk taking goes higher when you're on androgens, specifically on testosterone for some guys, but specifically those with a higher androgen to uh, anabolic ratio. The risk taking, the trend, of course, as Steve mentioned already, is, is notorious for that. I would argue some of the shorter active stuff for these particular scenes. So I'd, I would probably maybe look at a real small dose of check drops or, or halo or something like that. Really get you, come on, let's go, let's do this. Let's, let's kill this stuff. I know, I actually know a professional stuntman through, through the strength stuff. And um, they're, they're very talented, very trained, et cetera, et cetera. But we're not talking about this. It's the guy that's running the movie, wants the shot to be absolutely amazing, wants that, as we were doing now, it's the scene that's stuck in our minds that we've talked about. And, and at the same time, it's a real building in the dark, in the middle of Hong Kong, that's real glass that's sliding down. Uh, you need something with a, a high androgenic ratio just to get you to come on, stand on that thing and get, well, let's go, let's slide down here with no wires and yep. with free after we machine guns. I don't and, but you need something, but you also need something out of your system fast at the same time because you don't want it in your system when you're doing the martial arts scene. So I would say I agree with you. The Tren Ace, he's not running the Tren E, he's running the Tren Ace in and out of system or maybe no Esther Tren, he's running that. And I would say, man, I'd be running five, 600 milligrams of that. <laughs> Like I would be running a lot of it, and that would probably give give me that little edge to be able to attempt a stunt like that, and give me that that all alpha feeling. You get that alpha androgenic feeling where you do it, and you're like, yeah, you know, I did it, I did it. You're not like scared about it. I'd be worried though. You can imagine the set that the scenes finished, and there's like a couple of hours to do something else. Do you don't want him running around like a crazy man? giving people shit for the next couple of scenes that are right chilled out or something. Can you imagine, Steve? He's high. He's coming down the sheet of glass and he's screaming like a banshee and it's all kicking off and he looks amazing. And then they go off and do something else. He's now he's in the editing suite. Come on, come on, cut it better, cut it better. <laughs> so yeah, I'd get someone else to run the show for the day because I'd want that out of my system for a few hours before I start doing something else. Otherwise I'd be screaming at everybody on the set and, and, and it was not like a steroid rage thing, but you're still high from the adrenaline and, and what you've just done. Can you imagine coming off set and say, I don't even, I don't even know if I know what I wanted for dinner. I don't, never mind taking over the rest of the movie for the rest of the afternoon or evening or onto the next thing. So yeah, I, that's something that'll be for me, that kind of scene. Let's do this tonight. Take something like check drops, eight hours. And then the next day I come in, I'm chilled out. I've had some nice chamomile tea and let's get onto the next thing. Because otherwise you'd be a crazy boss to work for. Can you imagine? firing people and having to rehire them the next day, you know, screaming that this needs to be here, this room needs to be there, I want it done, come on your wankers, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know what those, that stuff's like from my personal experience. I know what it'd be like from talking to powerlifters and strength athletes. So I wouldn't want to be making decisions on buying a house or relationship decisions 
or, or, or anything that's like real serious with photos on that particular stuff. I'd want that stuff out of my system so I can come in the next day and be the professional producer, director that I'm supposed to be. But yeah, let's get that stunt done. It's real big, it's really important. I'd need something. I don't think you and I could do it. We'd have to have some kind of bravado or balls the size of coconuts to do that stuff without something just giving us a little bit. I'd need hypnosis, man. I'd need several pints of lager and a gung-ho attitude, kind of borderline suicidal or something like that. Get me up there, stand on it, never mind slide the hell down it. So, yeah, there's something going on there. Uh, uh, but, yeah, if it is what we th we're suggesting it is, I'd have someone else take over for the rest of the day, someone else producing and directing for that particular day. And then the next day, come back real chilled out, had a good night's sleep, real nice and meditative and, and, and come back in and be the professional that I need to be. So you don't want him coming back in still higher, still still angry, still, you know, full on and uh, ready to kick ass and, and take names or whatever else. So yeah, it's got, we, this has to be short acting for, for the set, for the scene and the cycles, as we said already, would be relatively short Esther's just so that because we're talking about an eight week onset for the action movies is a not long movies people it's not an epic it's not a three hour thing on it's not gladiator it's not you know two and a half hours on screen or whatever it's not that kind of stuff it, it, it stunt work tends to be very and very intense and you can't you can't fight every single day you can't do these things every single day so yeah but we're talking about recovery we're talking about uh, brief periods of endurance and uh, the recovery from the injuries is el numero you know for me especially as i say with him now being 66 years of age he stopped action stuff at 64 he's still acting right now so yeah and, and as who's to say you know people are like when they retire in the movies they want to come back they want to do that stuff you and i are changing the subject just to finish steve i'm thinking if you've done 50 odd years of kung fu style movies martial art movies could you give that up could this be something it's like you and I were training? Well, I think you and I have trained, as you said before, between us for 60, 70 years. Uh, we've talked about how this is probably in our blood forever. Can you can you see someone like Jackie Chan never doing these things again? The I only, don't know. Yeah, the only way is if he's so injured where it's just not fun anymore and he just like it hurts to do it. But that's why I think, but that's why I think today he's on HGH today. I think he's still taking the HGH. He's still taking these peptides. He's still taking some painkillers every now and then. He's still taking his TRT dose. So, and he'll throw in some Primo, some EQ, some Masterin, some Winstrel here and there, some Anavar. So I think even at his age now, he's still playing around with these, these steroids to give him that look and to keep him. But he's actually doing it smart. I think he's doing it smart and we'll know that down the line like does does he die in his early 70s or does he live past 80 you know and we already know his diet is a is amazing his training is amazing he's got amazing genetics um so that's going to keep him that's going to keep him going but the question is how bad has he abused these peds and we'll know that over the next 5 10 15 years um, but right now he looks fantastic. So I, I'm pretty confident that he's using low dosages and he's using them very smartly. So that's what I think he'd be using now versus what he used back then, which I am pretty sure he used some of the more harsh stuff back then. You know? that's, yeah. I think, sorry, I'm just thinking in the, in the documentary that I was watching part of the research for this, I'm going to say that was 214, 216, and both his parents were still alive, which would make them in their 80s. And, he, and in the, if it was 214, 216, his hair's still dark. But I mean, it doesn't look like a guy that's dyed his hair or had the gray hair cut out. It just looked like there's a few strands in there. 
So he's got real good skin, real good hair. He's aged very well, which again, as you suggested already, would suggest a small dose, low dose uh, daily or every other day of human growth hormone. I would 100% agree with the CRT to travel around the world, to do the promos, to do the movies and everything else up to 2018 requires a certain level of energy and keeping fit and whatever else. And as we, as we said, with the reiterate the growth hormone and the recovery from his injuries and staying fit and staying strong. Right now, 66 years of age, seems to be in great condition, still looks good, hair barely gray a couple of years ago, is uh, hardly got a line on his face. Uh, so maybe he's doing the same amount of growth hormone that Sylvester Stallone was doing. And we know all about that, don't we, people? I, I would say 100% there's something like that in there. How can there not be? If it's not, it's a miracle. And he, he's, he's, he's done very, very well. But I would I would almost certainly say there's something like that. And he, he can certainly afford it. And something that we've touched on in previous podcasts, people, is with medical supervision. I don't know what the laws are in China. I don't want to look or Korea or Hong Kong. I have no idea. But I would guarantee that if I was in his position with the kind of money that he's got, I would have my doctor on side, probably uh, almost to the point of exclusivity. Maybe he's only seeing half a dozen real, real rich people. And this guy's going to be looking after me 100%. He's going to be managing. I'd have my blood done all the time. I'd have vitamins made up the way that I want. And you're at that kind of level. You say, where's my deficiencies? I've got a big movie coming up or I've got a big promotional tour coming up. I'm going to be doing this. Right, someone needs to sort me out. Bring my chef with me. Take my chef on tour with me on the plane, go around, make sure that my food's sorted out, make sure I'm getting massages every single day. Everything's about recovery. And even the promotional stuff, when you're 66 and you've been on the jet for six hours and you've got to do four hours of answering the same questions with 15 different reporters, it's tiring. It's hard work. And you're, an, you're a pensioner. So, yeah, he looks fantastic for a guy that's going to be still working crazy hard, still touring the world, still doing all those things, even if he's not doing the action part of the movie. So yeah, has to be something like that in the mix, just to stay at the top of your game. And this is one of those things as well, when we talk about this with our, with our members. For this guy, everything he's doing on camera, every TV interview, every radio interview, every magazine interview, how he, if he came in like an old man with a stick and gray hairs and a lined face, they'd be like, who's this? Who's this? What's happened to Jackie Chan? It's almost an essential that he looks good and feels good and all the rest of that kind of stuff because he gives you the energy on camera. If you feel good, you have the energy in front of the camera, whether it's for a photograph, whether it's for a TV interview, you come across, hi, I'm happy to be here, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's an element of that. It's why a lot of Hollywood people have turned to uh, narcotics just to feel good when they're tired. I don't think that's the case with Jackie. I think the, the stuff that we're talking about, the PEDs, giving him the energy, keeping him healthy, keeping him recovered, is what's enabled him to be essentially what we would call a star, no matter how you look at it, right up till now. So every interview he comes, he always comes across, I don't know about you, Steve, I always feel like he comes across really, really well when he's talking, great English, and he always feels like he's having a good time. He always feels like he's happy to be there and, and happy to talk to you and just enjoying life. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I do. And I know... Um... From doing a little research, the laws in Hong Kong on steroid use are actually really, really strict. So he would definitely have to, you know, be very, very careful about using them there. He'd probably use them, you know, outside Hong Kong, not in Hong Kong. Like if you caught trafficking 
anything illegal in Hong Kong, it's like a life sentence. That's how harsh the penalties are. Don't quote me on that, but that's 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 what I that's what I you know researched. Um, that may have changed or something, but yeah, they don't mess around um, over there. So yeah, he would definitely have to you know come to the United States and then mess around with steroids. So yeah, yeah, finish up the show, mobster. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Maybe for, for him, is it like the Mexican thing? If you live close to the border, and we've talked about this before. So you go over the border and take a long acting test, have a jab once a week and come back. Perfectly legal. No need to smuggle anything over. No need to get your bum searched at the border by customs. I think if what you're saying is true, then maybe you can go from Hong Kong to China or Hong Kong to Korea. He's traveling all the time. And, and the other thing I said, I would say if he can do it under a prescription, which I would 100% do if I was in his position, that's how I would do it. I would make, maybe it's an age extension clinic or Chinese uh, Hong Kong version of it, or literally drive over the border, get a jab from a doctor, drive back again. Well worth the money. I mean, it's, it's going to be 350, $400 million right now. I would say it's definitely worth the money for him to do that. But yeah, last thing for me then. And I said this earlier on, guys, this guy has been at the top of his profession, a number one, number two in the whole world, because he's been doing it for 40, 50, 60 years. He's learned every single aspect. When he was unhappy with how Hollywood was doing it, he went back and he did it his way, took over every aspect of the movie. That's why he's wealthy. He's multi-talented, multi-skilled. And I think Steve's touched on it earlier on. It's literally learning something new every single day. There's your takeaway. Every single day, guys, learn something new that advances your job or advances your hobby or for training for peds learn one thing every single day uh, when it comes to what we do when it comes to training and performance enhancing drugs learn one thing learn 20 minutes half an hour sit down raise your game steve all right guys so this was number 114 jackie chan we have a couple podcasts that we're going to be recording in the next week hopefully we're gonna try to catch up i know we've been uh away for about 10 days so we're gonna catch up on uh that week that we missed so it's gonna be really really fun um the you want to preview the next one uh, mobster or do you want to keep it a secret oh i'll give, i'll give the guys a hint there's one of the most famous bodybuilders for uh hgh and insulin uh, especially his insulin and if you can't guess who the hell it is then guys you don't deserve to listen to this podcast so yeah really real easy this guy was the number one guy probably certainly there's three fellas this one was right up there with huge amounts of use with him and a lot of the guys he coached now if that's a bigger clues you're going to get you and you can't guess who it is <laughs> don't write and complain you should know so there you yeah, go so that'd be good we can at the end of each podcast we can kind of give a hint we'll give a oh, kind yeah. of, of a hint but i think you over hinted it a little bit but we'll give you guys a little hint at the end of the podcast to, to preview who we're doing next all right guys for steve smee and mobs the mobster we will talk to you guys next week take care 